0: today's bible reading is coming from luke chapter 15 and it'll be a very familiar story to you about the parable of the lost son i'll be reading from verse 11 through to 32. so luke chapter 15 beginning at verse 11. jesus continued there was a man who had two sons the younger one said to his father father give me my share of the estate you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found.
1: Morning everyone. Uh, I was asked to uh, speak to you today. With the theme of celebration in mind and most people love a celebration in the recent past most would celebrate uh, birthdays anniversaries weddings engagements as well as significant cultural events mother's day father's day it seems that today all of our celebrations have become those things that have been over commercialized Uh, we celebrate what we think is important Uh, in a small way and next week I have a celebration uh, 49 years ago on the 3rd of September I was baptized in St. E. Baptist Church 49 years ago and God in his mercy and grace has allowed me to declare something of who he is the wonder of his love for us celebrating what it means to be a person who loves him so today the focus is going to be on celebrating with a wise father a wise and loving father you've often heard of this passage as the prodigal son I want our focus to be a little bit different today as you uh, share with me in what is an interesting passage the just the verse before what was read today in verse 10 declares this in the same way I tell you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Look, it might surprise you, but in the New Testament, in the NASB which I read, um, the word celebrate only occurs six times. Six times. In the whole of the New Testament, uh, it is written, if you've got the NASB, even as you heard today. Uh, it, it is a word that is in the Greek a word called euphreno, uh, and it simply means to have a good you and Frino comes from uh, phrenology that idea of the of the mind so it is having a good attitude that's the basis of celebration of the six times that the word celebrate is used in the new testament four of them are in this passage so that tells you that in the terms of celebration this passage is really significant about what undergirds and what it means to have a good mind, a heart with a right attitude before the Father. So we're going to look at this passage. So have your Bibles open or your, your um, phones, whatever you've got, uh, if you're used to doing that. And Daryl, you're very privileged, uh, Daryl and the team here are good expositors of the Word. And we want to look at what the Word of God has to say, not what others would say about it. So I'll bring a a different slant on some stuff, I hope. Uh, Let's look at, uh, by means of introduction, the setting of this parable. It begins in verses 1 to 3, and this is what it says. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them, this parable saying and you'll notice that there are actually three parables Uh, there's a certain religious perception about jesus Uh, jesus was teaching tax collectors and the moral outcasts spiritual truths concerning god's kingdom and this was bringing great displeasure upon The religious teachers they were muttering to themselves this man welcomes sinners and eats with them in the eyes of the pharisees and the teachers of the law how could this man receive those who were either in league with the roman government or prostitutes with moral sin having cut themselves off from the religious community that exists as israel's uh, the people of god here Jesus wants to address those issues because these people the religious people of the day were unable and unwilling to understand that God desires repentance which when shown, makes a change such a change that there's joy in heaven do you understand how significant that is Uh, sometimes as we look at these characters, we'll identify with them in different ways. But when we look at these characters, uh, I want you to see it in a special light. It's not about the prodigal son. It's about two sons and their father. By means of these three characters, Jesus reflected the composition of the audience, of those who were meeting and listening so that you here today might identify and say with whom am I identifying oh you say obviously oh ha- am I one of those sinners an outcast or or is Jesus thinking of me more as one of those Pharisees in part of the religious community I trust that the Spirit of God will Provide insight to that as uh, we see that the father uh, represents our God, a reflection of his character. Uh, the youngest son, uh, sinners, uh, transgressors, those who are the, the outcasts either to ourselves or to others or within society. And the elder son, the righteous one, the uh, representative of the Jewish religious leaders. This is about a revelation of God's love. In our society, we have not understood the depth of his love. Not just for the individual and the wayward person, but for all his people. For all his people. You see, Jesus' contemporaries were acquainted with the fatherhood of God. And from the prophecy of Jeremiah, they knew that Israel had been a wayward son. They were identifying themselves and the nation as having been wayward. Uh, This is what Ephraim said. Restore me and I'll return because you are the Lord my God. After I strayed, I repented. After I came to understand, I beat my breast. I was ashamed and humiliated because I bore the disgrace of my youth. From Jeremiah. What we need to understand in the Christian church, there are many religious people whose self-worth is governed by their religious performance, by the attendance at church by the things that we do. And into this, uh, God wants to speak to us. Our society is governed by the things that we gain as significant. He wants to change that. wants us to see and to celebrate a father who loves us unconditionally and will never forsake us. As we look at the the father's home, uh, remember that God dwells with us. When does God dwell with us? All the time. There is no moment where he is absent from us. Um, in our, if we have an analogy of the human family today, uh, uh, God is how a father should be. But it's not always that way today, is it? Not all of us come from families uh, that are united in one. And those families are separated through breakdown there's separation because a father is so busy working today that uh, the family doesn't know him and the aim of that family is to develop a, a loving trust relationship out of which the the father will be able to provide an influence in the life of every individual and to guide to be empowered to become all that we can be fully human and fully alive to reflect as we walk as families, the very purpose and character of God, going about our life with an eternal focus. This parable will help us to see the reality of that in what it means to walk with God day by day and to be part of His family, this family gathered together at Sunnybank Baptist Church. There's great joy as a parent, great joy as a parent. Um, When you see your children walking well, there's great joy, isn't there? And great sadness uh, when there isn't. The father in here celebrates with great joy. You see, life can be a deep celebration, even if in our journey we suffer consequences along the way. In this passage it deals with trouble in the home trouble in the home um, children can do things that amaze us can't they not always please us this begins in verse 11 a man had two sons two sons first of all we look at the younger son we look at his offenses his evil choices the younger of them said to his father father give me the share of the estate that falls to me So he divided his wealth between them. He was incredibly self-centered, incredibly self-centered. It was all about him as a son. His request for inheritance was a death wish. He was saying that he wanted his father dead because inheritance was only ever due at the death of the father. This was an unheard of request amongst those who were Jews, tantamount to wishing the father dead. Uh, this son, as the second son, the younger son, would not receive the, the full inheritance, but something like two-ninths of the father's total sum. He would have received, if he waited till his father's death, about a third of that. But by receiving it in advance, he forfeited any future claim on the estate. Not the older son, but the father was in control of all that there was. The father normally would have just beaten the son. That was the cultural approach. If a of if a son comes up and asks his father for his share of the estate, it was a request for the disposal of the property. It was the father's income. It was his right. It was what he has worked for all of his life. He was entitled to all of that income while he was alive. And so it speaks of a broken relationship, not only with the father, but with the brother. He doesn't want to dwell with his brother. He wants to move out of the place completely. Remember what Psalm 133 says? Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And the church is the perfect expression of that. Never any discord amongst the people of God. Oh, how I wish that was true. In my more than 35 years of ministry, I wish that was true. So this passage speaks to us as the people of God. Broken relationships with the father. Broken relationships with the brother. Broken relationships for this younger son with the community. He cuts himself off from the community by disposing of his father's property with such haste. He says, I don't care about you guys. The funds go into the hands of the Gentile world. used for that which is inappropriate. And the father's response, what does he do? He grants his son's request. Why? Uh, because you can't maintain coercive control over a son he's a wise and loving father, he recognizes his son's free will. See, the the journey of becoming an adult is towards other-centered loving behavior, that's his desire for his son. And he sought to maintain the relationship based upon love at whatever cost. Wouldn't it be great if we did that in the as the people of God, with all those that we knew. He didn't consider him dead. He gave the opportunity to return. He provided hope for the future. Uh, Parents, uh, keep praying for any of your children who aren't walking closely with the Lord that you have modelled in your life for them to know. Uh, This father waited patiently didn't forget about him. He had a, a desire for good things to happen to his son, despite what had happened to him. And this son, having left the province of his father, uh, continued to choose badly in a faraway country. This is what it says. And not many days later, that's how quick it was, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living having received he got it all together he's now on his own free to go his slogan was have money we will travel he could go to babylon in the east or asia minor in the north or greece and italy in the west or egypt and africa in the south the world beckoned a number of factors emerge which would have a profound influence on the future of this younger son His idealism, his inexperience, his lack of discretion, his move from the farm to urban areas, his possessions in ready cash, all of these things played a significant role. And so he was involved in the excesses that come with liberty and lack of wisdom. Wine, women and song. Intentions to be on his own were thwarted when those false friends saw the the windfall that they had. The principles of life and conduct that he had learnt at home were put aside for the moment. Forgotten, carefree and spendthrift. The remarks of the older brother, this son of yours squandered your property with prostitutes. Uh, Not necessarily just an accusation, uh, but a reflection on the news that had come back to the family as information came back over time. It was all in vain. All in vain. Loses everything. Famine forces him to his senses. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. And he began to be impoverished. Uh, that, That news spread throughout. Jobs were hard to get. There wasn't an easy place. So income was gone. And his friends, gone, left him. Left with nothing worse than that his self-respect was gone you see the temporary pleasure is not satisfying it doesn't last the pursuit of wealth doesn't last now do you ever see uh, a, uh, a trailer on the back of a hearse don't do you Oh, what matters is that which is eternal this young lad was finding out very quickly That all the other things that people prize are insignificant when you have nothing. And he got to such a low estate that his heritage and its underlying values were put aside. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into his field to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving anything to him. Scoured the streets, found nothing, no employment. All he could find was a lowly job feeding pigs. Pigs for a Jew. What does that mean to this young man? Feeding pigs. The very degradation that he had learnt as a child from very young, from Levitical laws unclean animals and that's what he was doing simply to survive and he was hardly doing that he'd lost almost his life he wasn't even having enough food that was fed to the pigs he longed to, to eat carob and that's not very nice desperate longed for human contact consideration but no one was concerned for him no one cares how quickly it is that those who know you will soon forget you. Here he was. And he comes to a point where he's really regretful of the circumstance. Not repentance at this stage, but regretting. So, So he understands and he says, when he came to his senses, when he realized his circumstance, he says to himself, how many of my father's hired men Have more than enough bread. But I'm dying here with hunger. Wasn't repentant. Uh, Wasn't concerned at that stage with all that had happened. He was just really sorry that his circumstance was such. And he understood something of the character of his father. Because he says this. How, how many of my father's men have had enough, more than enough bread? And I'm dying here. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So in his desire to return as a hired worker, uh, uh, he recognizes that there's an opportunity. There is uh, those servants and there are the hired men uh, hired men would be hardly able to conceal their ridicule if he came and had to work within the son his older brother wouldn't take it kindly if he came home to an to an inheritance which he no longer had a share and his father would see his son barefoot dressed in clothes the hired man poverty stricken But he recognises that he has nothing except death that awaits him if he stays where he is. He sees his failure. He understands how he's behaved toward his father. He knows that as a hired worker, he'll be able to pay his debt back to his father. The son began to think about his father and how he had grieved him. How his father had provided for him. And he says to himself, I will go. At least I'll have some social standing. At least I'll not have to eat my brother's bread. At least I'll be able to do something to save myself. The society won't like me, but oh well, this is better than nothing at all. So here he is. He starts the journey back home, not expecting much other than to be better than what he was. And then the love of the father is revealed. A loving compassion. Uh, And uh, he introduced this by saying that the father had two sons, remember? And he shows in this passage that the father had extraordinary love. He, He loved them, not possessively. He loved them as a father loves and wants the very best for his children. The, the father uh, could have refused the request of his son, but he didn't do that because he loved him. Uh, there's a difference in this parable with the other two parables before, of the lost coin and uh, the lost sheep. The shepherd uh, would, would use his skills and go out and get that sheep. The, the, coin, the, the woman would search uh, day and night to find what was precious to her. But the father couldn't do that with a human being, could he? He couldn't go and search for his son. He had to wait patiently at home for his son to come to his senses. You see, you can't force people to love you. You can't force people to obey you. Uh, uh, God's created us with a free will. So the father's love and the father's wisdom is expressed without wanting anything in return from his son. So he waits for God to bring an opportunity into the life of his son to express his deep love. And so he is there waiting, but taking the initiative. His eye is out looking for his lost son. And he sees him from a distance. This is what it says. The the son got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Runs for the son. Runs for the son. Not just to the son, but for the son. To run the, the, the gauntlet of public ridicule not appropriate for an older man uh, and not as easy for us older men to run is it but he does he runs to his son he doesn't care what other people in the community would say about this older man who should walk with decorum the father was in full control the father looked in the direction of where the son was coming and his heart went out to him, laying aside all dignity and decorum. He ran bare to meet his barefoot son, dressed in rags, and threw his arms around him and kissed him and embraced him. By embracing and kissing him, the father made it known that he considered him as his son, not as, as, a, as a, a distraught and delayed and disowned person, but his son he did it before the son could fall at his feet as a slave he reconciled the son by considering him as a son through these actions toward him chucked out the the hired servant speech that the son had there was no opportunity for that the moment that he acted toward him and he said to him father i have sinned against heaven and in your sight i am no longer worthy to be called your son At that moment, the father said to his his servants, I want you to do these three things. This is a time for celebration. I want you to get the best robe possible. Because the best robe was only for special, special guests. The son was to be honored by the father, this wayward son. For the best robe was only for special guests. He was given a ring that says, He has the authority of the father so that everyone could see he was reinstated as a son. Sandals were only worn by free men. He came back not as a hired servant, not as a slave, but as a free man. Fat and calf. Not just for the family, but the community that they might celebrate together what this wonderful thing is that has happened. Why? Because this son has returned. This son of mine was dead and is now alive. He was lost and has been found. And so the community celebrate with the father because the love for his son had not only been made manifest, but was being received. How wonderful it is for us to understand the importance of the return of a young man. Fully accepted as the Father's Son. Uh, That's the analogy that we use as sinners, as transgressors. Uh, We're those who have had a guilty heart. Not just as those who didn't know Jesus. Not just as it was for me over many years ago now. 1970, almost 51 years ago when I came to faith. not just a non-Christian. But this analogy fits to all of us who have a a guilty heart, who who know that we fall short, continually fall short of the glory of God. And the embrace of the Father is to tell us how much He loves us. Our, Our salvation, our ongoing transformation comes because of His mercy and grace, comes because of the fullness of God's provision he will not refuse you at any time in your journey when you've fallen from him out of your deliberate love and obedience no matter where you are at this moment the father's arms are open and says i want you to know the fullness of the joy that comes because i love you i will forgive you for whatever you've done for whatever transgression for for whatever mark you've missed i will love you i'll forgive you Our father's heart, your father's heart, has immense affection for you. Isn't that incredible? He will reinstate you with the same love that he began with, always. Uh, But there's trouble in the home. That's with the older son, isn't it? It's not just the younger son. Now, his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of his servants and began inquiring, "Uh, what things uh, could this be? And he said to him, your brother has come back and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Here he is missing the celebration. Why? Well, the older son was the last to learn about his brother's return. Why was he not told? We don't know. Was he out there working? Probably out there working hard, trying to to keep the, the things going that his father had entrusted to him. And guess what? The father sought his second son. The father didn't leave him outside, despite the way that he was petulant and looking for himself. The father sought his son. The son became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. He'd gone out of the house to meet one son. He went out of the house into the field to meet the other son. He treated both with the same depth of love. But the older son was self-righteous. He didn't want equal treatment. He was angry at his brother who received grace. The son knew he was the heir, welcome to receive everything. But who was this son who had, he had left and taken away what was, uh, what was the father's? He didn't understand grace. And we live sometimes as the people of God who don't understand grace. We think that we can make God love us a bit more because we'll do something that others don't do will serve a bit harder, a bit longer. You see, this uh, older son didn't see himself as a son. He saw himself as a servant. The father was teaching the son that your significance is not governed by what you do within the, the family of God. The Pharisees aren't governed by the significance of what they do as religious leaders. And he says, you are my child. I am your father. This prodigal is your brother. You see, there was a choice to be made. The question of filial relationship was posed. Oh, would the elder son who had faithfully worked with his father on the family farm stay with his father when he celebrated the return of the younger son? The parable Ends on a refrain, because this brother of yours, this brother of yours, the elder son, this son of yours. And the father says, no, the nature of your relationship with your your brother is critically important. You are bound to one another because of your father. Uh, In this body, you are bound to one another Your love for one another is a result of your relationship with Jesus. And sometimes we treat one another as the older brother. We look at ourselves and we say to ourselves, look how wonderful I am and look how terrible that person is. I would never have done that. I would never have acted that way. So don't be like the Pharisees. Whose identity is based in religious acts, self righteous, critical of others, rejoice at the grace of God in the lives of others. Live by faith as a child who loves to serve their father. Does that make sense? You see, there's a choice to be made. Choice to be made. Are you going to live? with those who are fallen. If you are fallen, if you're someone in your own life who recognizes these past weeks or months or years, you haven't been following Jesus closely. You've been wrapped up in other things. Remember that the Father is as close as you imagine. You don't have to be distant. His arms are there, open for you, for each of you, to enjoy the wonder of a love that is only for your good. You're distant, God longs for you to know how much He loves you. The tax collectors, they understood in the message of Jesus the wonder of what it is, the infinite love of God. That could take them, despised by this society. Sometimes we would despise ourselves. You see, the gospel is good news for all. Doesn't matter where you've been in the past, doesn't matter where you are today. The gospel is good news for all. Uh, we're living in the Father's presence day by day to be those who love him for all that he is, who waits patiently for us to be all that we can be. Uh, beware of the danger presented by the brothers, the younger who is uh, self-centered. Not that you and I would ever be self-centered, would we? Oh, no. And we would never be self-righteous, would we? Like the old one. Maybe. Maybe. I want you to, to think as we end this message of the wonder of a father who loves you and wants you to become more like Jesus as you live humbly before him, desiring others to know your father's love for them. If it hadn't been for people in this place who loved me as a fellow who didn't know Jesus, I wouldn't be able to share with you today. If it wasn't for those Who'd encouraged along, supported in the journey, I wouldn't have become who I am today. The privilege that exists for us is to be those who love like Jesus loved, who understand grace because we know the truth of our own sinful heart, and who understand. That he will use each of us as we humble ourselves before him. Then we will celebrate with a wise and loving Father every day. May this church continue to be a place that welcomes all to the glory of God, our Father in heaven. Let me pray for you. Father, we're amazed at the love that you've expressed to us. I'm amazed at the love. that you've expressed to me, a, a sinful being, deserving of your wrath and judgment, but in your mercy and grace have allowed me to come to understand how much you love me and you continue to love me despite my failure. Thank you that your forgiveness is always before us. Help me to walk with you and my brothers here in a way that reflects the depth of your love and grace. May it be, Father that your name is honoured and glorified through Sunnybank District Baptist Church, both now and in the days ahead. And we ask that for your glory and honour. Amen.